Hi, I'm Sophie Wilson, and this is People of the Pool, where we have conversations with those making a positive change in Liverpool's business community. We're known for our music, for our culture, tourism, and of course, football. But what's caught my eye since moving back from down south is the innovation and entrepreneurship that's happening in the city region. And this podcast is about championing just that. I'm blue, not red. I don't have a purple wheelie bin, but I'm still a proud Scouser and I can't wait to share the stories of positive, inspirational changemakers with me. In this episode of People of the Pool, we meet Nanette Meller, CEO of The Brain Charity, which offers emotional support, practical help and social activities to anyone with a neurological condition. Nanette, welcome to People of the Pool. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's great to have you. So you've dedicated your career to supporting neurodivergent and disabled people. What first inspired you to get into this line of work? I suppose if I'm brutally honest, um, it's uh, for me it's about feeling a bit like an outsider and I always felt a little bit like an outsider. Um, so I was a really fat kid when I was at school. And uh, that was before being fat was very trendy like it is now. And there was no fat kids in the school, really. So it was, it was, I was one of those children that was, you know, the last to be picked in PE. Yeah. Uh, I never got bullied because I was always quite a confident person. But I was definitely one of the outsiders. And so my crew, if you like, at school, it was me. It was the black kid, the gay kid, the poor kid the kid with a mental health issue. That, mm. that was my my team, if you like. Um, and so I've always um, felt like an outsider and I've always, I took upon it, you know, I, I took the role of um, school police officer uh, in the yard uh, and I did that from a very young age. And I think I'm as much driven by anger at people who pick on other people that they see as having a weakness uh, or a vulnerability. I'm as much driven by anger, you know, um, about those people as I am about, um, you know, wanting to to look after those that are vulnerable, I think. So, you know, I'd love to sit here and say it's because I'm a really lovely, caring person, but I am um, somebody who gets very, very angry and upset with with those around me that I, I feel like are taking advantage of other people. Yeah. So that's really, I think, one of the things that spurred me on to want to do what I do. Yeah. 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 And how did you get into it? Gosh, well, I have a, an auntie with a learning disability, had an auntie with a learning disability, Auntie Sylvia. Um, and so I was always used to being around people who were a bit different and felt very comfortable around people who were a bit different. Mm. And um, when I was at university and I was studying a, a few different topics because I, I love lots of different things, but I was studying... Um, psychology and particularly uh, biological psychology is the bit I'm really interested in. Um, I took up work as a care assistant for people with a learning disability. Um, And I did that because I could fit the shifts in the care homes around my studies. Mm -hmm. So they'd phone up and they'd go, do you want a Saturday night shift or whatever? And and I'd go and work in these care homes. And um, I just really loved it. I loved having responsibility for human beings. Mm. Um, and I know people, when they pe- you know, people think about care work, they think about it in really, you know, in, in a really negative way and in a really kind of, oh, it's a, it's a really rubbish job. It's a really hard job, actually. And you are responsible for the welfare of other people. And so to me, that was much more important than, 
being in charge of making tellies or, you know, filling boxes up with soaps or something like that. I, I couldn't, mm. I, I never wanted to work in the kind of environment where it's making money for people. That's not what drives me. I'm not interested in money. Never have been. Um, I just wanted to do something I enjoyed and I really enjoyed it. So I stuck with it and um, went into management of care homes and then management of day services and rehab services and um, yeah, and, and just kind of worked my way up really and, and into different roles um, and ended up before I came to the brain charity working for the National Mencap Society or Royal mm. Mencap as a campaigner and fighting for money into the system, changes to legislation, that sort of thing. So um, I've just always done it and I've always loved it. So let's talk a little bit about neurodiversity. Yes. Because the Brain Charity is offering help and support to, to those with neurological conditions. What what do you wish people knew about neurodiversity? I think when we talk about neurodiversity now, what we're describing is a real shift in public perception of people with autism, ADHD, dyslexia, dyspraxia. So we're not talking about all of the different things that can happen with the brain. We're talking about conditions or differences that an individual is born with. And what we're saying to the world is that the reason we assume somebody with autism or somebody with dyslexia, the reason we assume they need help, the reason we assume they have a deficit is because our perception and our conversations about those people are based on what we call the medical model, mm. not the social model. So um, if I wind back a little bit, if we take ADHD, for instance, if we had a tribe way back when where everybody was neurotypical, so there was nobody in there ADHD or autism or whatever, if, we are, if our tribe was just full of people with this kind of regular kind of brain, that tribe would probably die relatively quickly. Someone with ADHD is born with a natural impulse to experiment, to try new things. They're full of energy. They are the one in the tribe that will say, yeah, okay, we've managed to catch one fish out of this pond and we get one fish out of this pond every day and that's great, but they'll get bored doing that. And what they'll mm. do is they'll go off and have a look at the next pond yeah. and they'll be the one in the tribe that finds a better place to fish. They'll find a better place to live. And they are the people in our tribe and our society who push us forward. They are full of innovation and experimentation. If we take people with autism, for instance, at the moment, when we hear the word autism, we think disability. And there are a certain number of people with autism who have a disability, they have a very severe form of autism, and it's really debilitating. But there are also people amongst us, loads of people walking around who are on the spectrum, and loads of them who are incredibly successful. And you've only got to look at Silicon Valley to see that. Yeah. Um, you know, and... Dyslexia is another one. So dyslexia, and I have dyslexia, is perceived to be a deficit, perceived to be um, a problem that I have. And for many, many years, I, I looked at it like that as well. But what science is telling us now and what the reality is, is that a lot of people with dyslexia, 
become extremely successful in business mm. and in the arts and in science. And, it, and it's because we think in a very different way. Yeah. Um, so I, I think the, the thing that we are helping people to recognise and realise is that there are different types of brain in the world and that's not a bad thing. That's a really good thing. It's yeah. necessary, important. And it's just the same as having a group of people with different skin tones. It's a natural variation. And actually, it's, you know, if you're a business person, it's a really good idea to surround yourself with people who have these different types of brains because then you've got more tools in your box. You've got all these different perceptions um, that will help you solve problems. Um, and that and that's, a re- you know, that's the reality um, and I think we're getting there now. People are starting to get their head around it. It's a massive paradigm shift for everybody, but it's happening and it's really mm. exciting. Yeah, I love the way you've explained that. And I have a number of very good friends who are dyslexic, exceptional in business, a very different way of thinking. And one of them's synesthesia, has got synesthesia, so they can mm-hmm. smell colour and taste yeah, shapes yeah, and, and yeah. all, you know, amazing, amazing things. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Steve Jobs, dyslexic. Yep. Uh, Richard Branson, dyslexic. I heard Kath Kitson talking on the radio at the weekend. Uh, radio dyslexic. Yeah. I heard that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Excellent. Um, so, I mean, if you just look at business, so Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, Richard Branson, um, Bill Gates, all the big players, they're all neurodivergent, mm. every single one of them. Yeah. Um, you know, and and... I think everybody's everybody's a little bit nervous about it because we don't want to um, fall into the um, you know the, the problem of, of stereotypes. And of course, when it comes to autism, the only thing anyone knew about autism for about thirty years was Rain Man. And you know, if you, if you were to yeah. say so, so and so has got autism, the assumption was that they would have this amazing talent to play poker, um, <laughs> which isn't true. Um, but but it, there is something going on there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this um, this particular series of People of the Pool is all about community builders. Talk to me about the Brain Charity and how you are building a community of neurodivergent people in Liverpool and beyond. So the, the Brain Charity was originally called Neuro Support when I took it on. Um, and what it does, this, you know, beautiful charity, is it helps people out and when I say the word help I mean that in a very real sense it's practical filling forms in going around your house making sure you've got food in the fridge all of that really really practical hands-on help Mm. it does that and it does that for very very vulnerable people um it does that for families who've um you know struggling to cope with dementia or with you know the chap who's a bus driver and he's just had a stroke and he's mm. never going to be able to drive a bus again and he's just lost his house because the mortgage company doesn't care about his stroke um, and because he's lost his house, his whole family's falling apart. And, you know, that kind of story is so common mm. um, and the charity reaches out to people like that and says, okay, let's 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 see what we can do for you. And I, I think it, it's always had that and, and that's really what I found when I went there and... and that's the bit I've protected. Um, and what we've done is we've really started to celebrate that and shout about it. And I think that was all that was missing really was the confidence to tell the world 
to look in this direction and support what's going on here because it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I could see it, and I think because I was an outsider coming into it, I could see it a mile off. But I think the people within the charity, the volunteers, um, the staff, you know, they I think you're so embroiled in it, you don't really look, look at the big picture stuff. Um, but, you know, the, there are so many o- o- other organisations out there who don't do the kind of thing that that charity does. And But because it's things like, um, you know, sorting your dog out uh, if you've just woken up in the hospital and, and, you know, you're worried about who's fed your dog. You know, we go up, we go around to sort the dog, you know, make yeah. sure it's been fed and everything. That You know, there's so few charities that just get on with it. Um, yeah, it's wonderful. I love the place. I think more than that, though, there's there's a... I mean, that's, that's key, right? So that's the bottom Maslow's hierarchy. Yeah. Get the dog fed, get the food in the fridge. But yeah. something that's maybe move moving up that is mm-hmm. and some a, a sense that I get from the brain charity is that you provide a space where everybody feels included and people feel um you know people who may in other circumstances not feel completely comfortable that they can be themselves that was one of your uh, ladies I can't remember her name but I on one of your videos I saw she said I can be me here yeah. and I'm just yeah. me yeah and and I thought that was so unique you know creating that that space yeah that where people can come mm-hmm. there's a chap who'd never had a birthday card I think in his life and yeah now he's, yeah you know so <laughs> there's there's some wonderful stories coming out of of of, of people who've because because ha- I suppose there's one thing being born with um a, a neurodivergency if that's the, the, the I'm I'm thing. figuring out the language as well yeah. <laughs> I think divergency is a thing yeah I haven't looked it up yet but a difference yeah a different, yeah being born different but then you've also got changes that could happen to any of us at, yeah. at any time and yeah uh, I shared with you a little bit of my experience with long COVID when I had a neurological condition for a couple of years and mm-hmm. and it was to be in a very strange and scary place when yeah. you're used to being able to speak <laughs> yeah. and say the words that you want to say and then mm-hmm. suddenly you can't say that. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's very isolating and very scary. Yeah. Um, and very traumatic, I, I would say. It would be traumatic um, for anybody that. And, I, I mean, you know, most of us came out of COVID psychologically damaged by it. Yeah. You know, to think that we didn't is, you know... It's nonsense. Um, you know, there's some really interesting um, experiments that, that happened in psychology, and you know, many years ago, and they would never happen today because they were, you know, performed on animals, which is horrific. But what those experiments tell us is that social contact with others is the most important thing to us as human beings. It's more important even than food. And yeah. so in COVID... You know, we all got damaged by what happened. And, of course, there was another group of people like yourselves who got really, really, you know, kicked in the teeth by it, um, had everything taken away from them. Of course, many, many thousands of people died as well. And, you know, and I think looking back at that time, I don't feel really, as a society, we have um, dealt with it yet, Um I really feel like I need some kind of memorial day or something Mm. so I can put a lid on it because every time I think about it, it sends shivers down my spine. You know, 
bloody horrible, wasn't mm. it? There's like a kind of collective amnesia that we've all bought into because everyone was yeah. so desperate to get back. But yeah. it's there. Yes. It's sitting there. Yeah. I pulled, and I most them. people can't even remember. There's a period of in time yeah. where people can't calibrate their brains around no. dates yeah. <laughs> because we've kind of wiped it. Yeah. It's yeah. bizarre. I pulled a mask out my po- a pocket of a coat I hadn't worn for ages the other day and I just hated it. Mm. I hated it. And I was like, oh, I'm just shoving this straight back in there. I don't want to look at it. But yeah, it's... It, the brain charity, getting back to your question, I think what you've described, that place where you can come and be yourself and it doesn't matter if you can't speak and it doesn't matter if you look different. That's because I like to think that's because that's my crew, that's my gang, that's who I feel comfortable with. I don't want to be with a load of people who are perfect. I don't like those kind of people. I don't get on with them. <laughs> I like people who have been through it. I like people who have battled. I like people who have been challenged um, because they are more caring, they're more open-minded, they're non-judgmental. And that's my gang. And that's why that building's full of people like that. Um, and, I, you know, I'm really proud of that. Most of the staff that work at the Brain Charity fall into that category. Um, we have many neurodivergent staff members who we have picked on purpose because... Not only are they talented, but they also get it because they've, you know, been bullied at school or they've lost someone they love or, you know, they've had to deal with a really um, bad period of mental illness or whatever. Mm. Um, They're the nice people. They're the good people in life. We've created People of the Pool podcast with the support of the team at Bengo Media. Dozens of businesses, large and small, turn to Bengo Media to get their podcasts up and running through their training, consultancy and even hands-on production. And right now, Bengo Media is offering you, People of the Pool listeners, free online training to help get your podcast launched in 90 days. You'll get insight into the steps to take and some of the biggest mistakes to avoid. So... To claim your free online podcast training from Bengo Media, go to podcastschools.com now. That's podcastschools with an S dot com. So how, how long have you been at the Brain Charity now? Nine, Nine years. years. What's your, what are you most proud of? This changes every time somebody asks me. <laughs> <laughs> um, what am I most proud of? I think... Um, it's sounds odd, but it's the fact that we earn a lot of our money now through business activity. And it was something I didn't know I could do until I got there and started tinkering around with things and experimenting with things. We bring money in essentially out of the pockets of the private sector and put it into the third sector. So we deliver services that would ordinarily be delivered by private sector companies. Um, So we are competing with them for the pounds in people's pockets. Um, We um, get sponsorship from private organisations that would perhaps be paying a different kind of um, organisation. So we, we are probably bringing in, in total... This year, about six, seven hundred thousand pounds, and we're taking that money out of the private sector, and we're putting it into the brain charity, and we're spending it on our on our service users. And I think that's the thing I'm proudest of: it's being able to say I know how to do business, um, 
I've, yeah, I, I've always felt confident that I can do care work and that, you know, um, I fit in very well in the third, the voluntary sector. But I feeling like I can stand up at a business conference and say, you know, I can do this as well. That's the thing I'm most proud of, I think. Excellent. Well, you, it's been a phenomenal achievement. How many now? More than 50 staff and... 60 summit today, I think now. Yeah, wow. it's gone up just recently. Yeah, yeah. It's quite scary now. <laughs> <laughs> It's quite scary. Yeah. yeah. Um, and why, so you're a nationwide charity. Yes. But based in Liverpool. Yeah. Why Why Liverpool? Why is it a good home for you? It was born here. This okay. charity was born here. Um, and I think it was born here because the focus of the charity was about bringing people together and about um, helping each other. And I think there's a really really strong can-do attitude in Liverpool. I'm from Crewe up the road, um, which is nowhere near as glamorous as Liverpool. <laughs> and um, Liverpool, to me, feels like its own ecosystem. Um, it feels like it's got everything that everywhere else has got, but it's accessible and it, it you are welcomed. I mean, I'd only been in Liverpool probably about, four months and I'd been in pretty much every big building in the city. I'd been invited in, come into the town hall, come into the Cunard building. You know, it it's owned this city is owned by its people. And because of that, I feel like I've got lots more um I've got a lot more I can lay my hands on to help me achieve what I want to achieve. Um and I think a, an awful lot of other charities would do well to to base themselves here. And I think they will um, there's more and more moving out of some of the big cities now because of rents, but also because, you know, the calibre of people here um, are fantastic um, and there's that can-do attitude, we'll fix it. You know, we're not looking to anywhere else to, to sort it out. We can do it here ourselves and I love that about the place. Yeah, yeah it's a special it's a special place, isn't it? And, mm. and like you say, really special people. Um any any sort of thoughts about the vision for the future and obviously, you know, nine years, now 60 staff, yeah. engage sort of self-funding in a way, being yeah. self-sufficient, yeah. Um, educating more businesses about the benefits of having a neurodiverse employee base. Yeah. Where where to next for the Brain Charity? I th- Well, I mean, I absolutely love technology um, and... Uh, you know, that whole virtual reality space is really fascinating. There's some wonderful research which, um, you know, is evidencing um, the fact that you can change people's points of view, people's memories, people's anxieties. You can change people's psychology by putting them through exercises, putting them into environments in a virtual world. And um, a really good example of this is that um, a really straightforward one is somebody with agoraphobia or somebody um, with arachnophobia. So if you sit somebody down with a real spider in their hand, kind of exposure therapy, it's actually quite traumatic for people. And a lot of the times it doesn't work. But if you put them in a virtual world or an augmented reality where there is a fake spider on their hand, part of their brain will register that as a real memory. And it will register it as a real memory, um, which has gone quite well and it's quite positive because actually the other part of your brain is thinking, I'm safe. So you can kind of retrain that brain to feel safe by having a spider in their hand. You can do the same with 
you know, people are frightened of flying. You can get them to rehearse being on a plane, feeling like they're on a plane, but feeling comfortable. Walking into a very busy room full of people, looking at people in the eye. And you can train yourself to do that and feel mm. good about and comfortable about that. Um, and as the applications for virtual reality are massive, um, you know, it's one thing to ask a stressed out carer to lie down on the floor and imagine that she's on a beach away from all her problems. It's one thing to do that, but it works so much better when she actually is there and she's looking around and all of the data is saying that that kind of exposure works as well as putting her actually on the beach. That is Your brain's like, this is amazing. Fascinating. Yeah. And, and also on the other side of it, to put people in the shoes of others. Yes. I've seen some powerful uh, VR applications where you're a refugee sitting in a plastic. Well, we really want to do that for the neurodiversity training. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be great to have people experience what it feels like. Uh, to have autism and to get sensory overload from mm. lights and sound or to know what it feels like to have dyslexia and see words moving on the page and be asked to write a, a, an email, you know. So it'd be lovely to try and submerge people into the minds of others as well so they can get that experience and uh, that's hopefully on the cards too. Fingers really crossed. powerful, really interesting. Um, well, I could honestly sit here all day, Nanette, and talk to you. I know in the green room we had so many things we wanted to discuss, so... Um, I'll look forward to doing that. But just to kind of round up for listeners, this is our silly question that we ask everybody at the end of each podcast. <laughs> if you had to name the Brain Charity with um, a song title by the Beatles, mm-hmm. what would it be and why? Okay, so I'm going with help um, because it's a lovely, beautiful, simple word. And uh, I think for a long time, the charity sector was a bit nervous about using that word because mm. we didn't want to, you know, feel like we were patronising anybody or anything like that. But um, it's really straightforward. It's really um, accessible. And, and and you know, we mean what we say and we do what it says on the tin and we help people. And that's why I'm going for that. Yeah. Brilliant. Love it. And just as, as a quick recap, um, if there was one key point from today that you want listeners to take away, what would it be? I would say if you are the person in your family or in your class or in your place of work, if you are the quirky one, if you are the one that stands out, if you're the weirdo or the, you know, the one that's a bit creative or, (laughs) you know, if that's you, that's a really good thing. And don't you worry about it. You know, you'll get to the stage where you'll realise and understand that that is massive and it's great and uh you know i know that the term superpower is is bounded around a lot in the neurodivergent world at the moment um but you know what that means is that you've got a gift and um you should be very proud of that and go out and use it uh, and use it for good that's what we'd want to say yeah excellent well thank you so much nanette it's been a pleasure to have you on people of Depaul. thank you thanks very much If you want to find out more about some of the amazing things that are going on in Liverpool City region, go to www.tuesday-media.com forward slash people of the pool. People of the pool is presented by me, Sophie Wilson. Until next time.